He was born to die. Who has believed our message, Isaiah 53? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And that was prophesied centuries, centuries before Jesus was incarnate, centuries before by Isaiah. From Mark chapter 10. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, 
and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son to the end that all who believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John said prophetically when Jesus walked towards him to be baptized, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was born to die. What should our response be to this? Greater love, John 15, has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He suffered the temptation to bypass the cross. The whole of John's gospel is filled with the phrase and the scripture was fulfilled and the scripture was fulfilled and he was born to die so that we might live. Father, we who are many are one body because your body was broken for us. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us for the remission of sins. Father, we do not presume to come to this, that table, O Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious, gracious Lord, so to eat thy flesh and to drink thy blood that we may evermore dwell in you and you in us. This is a table of incredible celebration. Come and celebrate that Jesus was born to die for you. <laughs> Jesse. Morning. Morning. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> Everybody said it <they> new. <laughs> uh, we went to Stover. I just, I just want to give you a little bit of taste. 
How was it? Do you want to do you want to taste? <laughs> so you're going to do just one one thing. I say praise the Lord, and you say shame the devil. You say God is good, and you say all the time. <laughs> praise the Lord. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Ah, <laughs> ah. Uh-uh. <laughs> praise the Lord. Shame the devil. Are you really praising the Lord? God is good all the time. time. (laughs) Yeah, God is good all the time. Amen. So we had uh, a a good week from Monday uh, until uh, Saturday. So I would say uh, each day there were people giving their life to to God, which was uh, very fantastic. Uh, we, we have some few people who came uh, to join us today from Stouffville who gave their life. I don't know if you'd love to see them. I think it will be great. Uh, <laughs> they must come here. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so some of them, they didn't uh, make it, but I, I see two. My auntie there and, and my brother, can you give them hands? Can you give them there and my brother, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I, uh, I need to say it in Zulu. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's them. No, no, don't worry. Uh, it's, it's, it's them. It's, it was very great. Uh, first, okay, let me just say, I, w- I would love to appreciate uh, everyone who, who gave with prayers. I think prayers is, is just there. It's the number one thing you guys did the best because uh, we really needed prayer. Without your prayers, we're not going to make it. So thank you for your prayers and thank you for, for your offerings. With anything you give towards uh, the ministry there, we, we really love to appreciate. Uh, yesterday, so we finished the tent yesterday. This is a big highlight. Yesterday morning, uh, Zolani went down there, and then when, when he went there, and then they, they stole the, the cable, and, and they stole the lights, <laughs> which is not surprising. <laughs> uh, so I want to say we thank the Lord that they only took uh, the cable and the light, because the Lord, Jesus, it doesn't say, when you preach, they will take the cable in the lights, but he said, they will want to kill you, they will persecute you. So we thank the Lord that they didn't come uh, with the guns and kill us, or burn down the tent. So we thank the Lord that our lives are still here, we still have the chance to go again and preach the gospel. So we still have another chance. So, and we forgive them, don't worry, we know they don't have Jesus. So I said, we forgive you, we don't have, we don't have any right to curse anyone, else. we love to bless them. So that's, that's happened. And also, I want to appreciate uh, Sham and his family. They really help us. From the first day on, 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 on Saturday last week, they were there to put up the light. Uh, that was Sham cable and, and all that. And that light they stole, it's, it's an expensive light, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's an expensive light. So, but then Sham also, he came again uh, last night and then he helped us with, with other cables to make sure that that's the revival is continuing. And then we, we, we did the last one uh, last night. Uh, and also we love to appreciate everyone, everyone who came. Uh, that's, that's all. I don't want to go long. But God was great. Thank you so much. And also, maybe we can uh, 
give them an ark after seven to seven and then greet them and, and make them feel warm. If, if Alan is allowing, maybe we'd love to, to pray for them. And they were, they were young, lots of, of, young, of young people. Margaret said to me, uh, you, know, you know what, Ayanda? I, I prayed to the Lord and, and I said, Lord, please give us the key people. And the Lord gave us children. And he said, some, there was a lot of children who came and gave their life to, to Jesus. We don't take it for granted. It's, ah, they're still young. No, no, no. We want, we want old people. No. We appreciate it. We know that devil, we attack them while they're still young, while they're still young. So, uh, also, uh, I don't know, but thank you so much, Alan. That's, it was a great thing. Thank you. Bless you. The preaching of the gospel is always contested. There's always going to be a little bit of opposition, stealing lats, but uh, they couldn't put the lat out because Jesus is the lat. Hey? Uh, Anne, I think you've got a prayer basket. Are you doing that today? Prayer, no, prayer box. Um, a prayer box. And this is for anyone who has a deep, heartfelt prayer request. They can write it on this piece of paper, fold it and put it in this box, and it will be prayed for. If you want to remain anonymous, that's also fine. If you want further prayer ministry, you can also indicate. And how this actually came about was upstairs one day when I was praying in our prayer corner, I found in the prayer basket there, such a heartfelt cry from an anonymous person to be set free from a very dark addiction. And I just felt such compassion for this guy as I, as I just sensed the cry of his heart. And sometimes you can't bring these things into the open, but if we write them on a piece of paper, God knows, and we can just present them to him. So Anne and I will be in charge of this box, and um, we'll have a group that will pray. It is confidential, so God wants to touch, he wants to heal, he wants us to enter into his promised land. We so often see the giants, and the giants rob us. And I know in my own life, I've just decided now that giants are not going to rob me of my promised land. So... You're free to do or you're free not to do, whatever. Just where we're going to find We'll put it, we'll leave it on the table here every Sunday. So you can either write your prayer request during the week if you want and pop it in the box. And then we will, we will keep it. So. And we may need help with more people to pray. So if anyone has a heart to join us, please say. So be pleased. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the praying ands. You must. They should re. Uh, what and should mean prayer. So we had a. We went up and saw Amy in, in Bethlehem. She was ministering and it was really wonderful because we got to hear her preach on Friday night. Uh, and she was very cool. It was just wonderful to see your daughter preaching, and she preached magnificently. One of the things that happened to Anthony during the week was that he got to pray and prophesy and uh, declare God's favor over Nelson Mandela's grandson. How it happened is a couple of years ago when the Bethel guys were out in, in, uh, in Cape Town, 
the, the leader, Richard Song, happened to bump into uh, Mandela's grandson at the, at the airport, and he prayed with him, and the guy said, next time you come, you've got to bring people. And so Anthony and the team went around Parliament. They walked around Parliament and got to pray with him. It was just absolutely amazing. For, for Anthony, it was a highlight of his, of his week, uh, of, his, of his mission trip. And he, he got uh, Mandela's grandson's uh, contact details. And he, and he SMSed him and he said, uh, it's such an honor to have prayed with you. And the response came back, no, no, no. It was an honor for me to be blessed by you. And uh, so he said, he also said, look, next time when you're back in South Africa and you're at home and I come up to Durban, I'd like to come to your house. So it's uh, wonderful to be able to pray. And they prayed into Parliament this week. And there were many prayers that went, went out for our nation this week. And we thank you. We thank the Lord that there was, there was no violence and, and for, the, for the peaceful masks and the, the peaceful protests. We thank you that it went well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brenda, we've been, we've been sharing a little bit of, I, last time I preached, I preached from, uh, if, I get, if I can get there, it was, seems to be, it was a long preach. Uh, Colossians 3, chapter 1, verse 4, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. This is from the NIV, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And as I preached uh, two weeks ago, I said, okay, I'm in heavenly places. I'm seated in heavenly places and I'm, I'm with God. And then the stuff of the week of what happened suddenly started unfolding, and the Lord said, where are you seated? Where are you seated? From what perspective are you looking? Through what glasses are you looking? Through what glasses am I looking at what's happening in our nation? And so that is our challenge. That's the challenge for each of you here today. Every day we have to wake up, and we have to make a choice. Am I going to set my, my mind on things above? Am I going to set my heart on things above? Am I going to choose? Am I going to make a choice? I think it was John Alcock said we have to, have to choose to believe what the Scripture says about us. We have to make a definite choice every day. In fact, probably every moment of the day. Last night I was listening to Smith Wigglesworth, uh, somebody sharing a story about Smith Wigglesworth. And I think he, he would every 15 minutes... He would take a break, and he would think about a scripture, and he would pray for a little while. I mean, that's, that's radical. Every 15 minutes, you imagine your day. Where are your thoughts? And so we, I want to carry this theme through, and, and Brenda's got a little bit to share, and I might share some more after her. So firstly, Alan, uh, when he preached, um, he read from the Amplified Bible, and it says, if then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures. 
that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, those higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. And so Ellen Ellen has just said, the world, we live in this world and there's just conflict and there's chaos and we are distracted by many things. So in the next week, I, I took this scripture and I said, Lord, I want to be able to live in this place. I don't want to be, I don't want this to be just a mental exercise that I give 30 minutes when I'm praying or when I come to church on a Sunday during worship or when I get the time to read my Bible in a busy week. It, it mustn't be an occasional thing. I want to live in this place. I've been reading the scriptures for 36 years now. And I'm not living in this place. This is not good enough. So show me how I'm going to get in that place. Because that's where transformation is going to come. Because that's where I'm going to start living from a heavenly perspective. So he took me to to the first two verses. And he says, okay, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above. Rich eternal treasures that are above. Set your mind, verse 2, set your minds and keep them set on what is above, not on earthly things. So how do we do that? So the key is back in verse 1. What are we seeking? Rich eternal treasures, those things that are above. And how are we to seek them? Ellen read from the NIV now this morning, and it says here, it says, set your heart on things above. Verse 2 says, set your mind on things above. And I felt the Lord showing me there's a sequence there, there's an order. It's a heart thing first, and then it's a mind thing. Because the mind follows the heart. And if we don't engage the heart then this thing becomes a mental exercise and it becomes a ritual that we're engaging in and then leaving behind and engaging in and leaving behind. And there's no transformation in that. And so the difference is it's got to start in the heart. And then I felt the Lord say to me, there's a scripture for that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Jesus said that in Matthew 6, 21. The things we treasure the most are the things that we think about the most. Is that not true? So if the kingdom is what we treasure the most, then the kingdom is what we think about the most. And so where the mind is involved, the mind follows the heart, so the mind thinks about what is in the heart. And and then he gave me an illustration which actually we all have experienced in natural life. Pretty much, I think we've all experienced that. And it's this. If you have ever been in love... That's the parallel. 
If you have ever been in love with somebody or you're really passionate about something and that thing or that person consumes your heart and he consumes your mind. And it doesn't matter what you have to do in the mundane things of life. That person or that thing is still in your heart and on your mind. And you can engage in your work stuff. You can engage in doing whatever it is that you have to do. But your heart and your mind are fully set on that one individual. Even when you're busy doing your stuff, you're still thinking about, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder if they've had lunch today. I wonder this. I wonder that. Why? Because they're in your heart. And if Jesus is, is that important to us, if he, is, if he really is our first love, if kingdom is, is really the, the rich treasures, that, and there are treasures in our heart, it's not just, oh, there's a treasure, maybe I should, maybe I should seek that treasure. Or no, 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 he's a treasure. He's my treasure. He's in my heart, so therefore I think about him. And so I really believe that's a key for us. If you're wanting to live from that place, from a heavenly perspective, and you're wanting to see kingdom breaking forth from your own life and in your own life, that's the place. It starts in the heart. Because where your, where your heart is, that's what your mind will be set on. So where's your heart? Is your heart set on your Savior? Is your heart set on your Lord? Where's your treasure? What are you consumed with? What wraps your life up or what, what wraps my life? Hopefully it's Jesus. going to go back to that scripture to Colossians chapter 3 because I want to keep reading it I want it to be a part of me since you have been raised with Christ you have all of you here have been raised if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior you have been raised with Christ you have a new position set your hearts on things above set your heart on things above that's why we should be setting our hearts on the things above What's important to you? What's important to me? Is it Jesus? I want my heart to be overwhelmed by his love. I think coming from a, a heritage that I have, this wonderful English heritage, everything is very proper. And my parents didn't, my parents loved me dearly with everything that they've got. But there was no great big hugs and affection. There wasn't, there wasn't that. Until my dad at 72 gave his life to Jesus. Then his heart softened and his heart melted. That stiff British upper lip and we will make it, we will, we will, we will not die on the beaches. What are they, you know, that kind of thing, that steadfast thing. I'm not going to show any emotion. No emotion. Don't cry. But yeah, the Lord is saying, it's your heart. He's after our hearts. He creates in us a new heart, in you and me, a new heart. 
And so now he wants us to set those hearts on him because he loves us. You know, in Ephesians, I love the prayer. It talks about something along the lines that we might know the height and the depth and the breadth of his love. That's what we need to know. Because when we know that, when we know his great love, and that's why coming to the table regularly is important, because that's what it says. It says you are loved. Do you know that? Do you know that? And as Brenda was saying, if you're in love with somebody, well, you spend time with them. And even when you're not with them, you're thinking about them. It's true. Because you love them. Milan's thinking about what she's going to get me for lunch now, I know. I prophesy. Roast lamb. <laughs> but Milan serves, I mean, she, she loves me. It's a, it's a, I know it's a miracle. <laughs> But she loves me and she, she always wanted to, she, she serves me and she uh, always wanting to feed me. That's what, uh, that's a hill thing. Her mother-in-law, if you, if you, she shows love by feeding you. And she feeds me and she loves me. And uh, I hope I return that love. But that's... Uh, it's the, it's, it's the love. Set your heart. It's a heart thing. And set your mind. And it takes a setting. It takes a setting. It takes a seeking. It takes a... Uh, sometimes when you wake up, you don't feel like it. But you have to set your mind towards the things of God. You have to set... Oh, my soul. Just, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I woken up and I'm tired and I'm lethargic. and oh. But... I've got to get a hold of my soul and take it, take it by the scruff and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. I thank you, Lord, for your great love for me. That's how I've got to start, and that's, that's how we start living in this heavenly place. It's not like we kind of go into an ethereal kind of, uh, what are you, like, we're now on the clouds and we're just floating and, and, oh, it's just so, oh, wonderful and, oh, it's beautiful up here. It's, it's not that. It's we've got to take and we've got to make effort. We've got to, we've got to take captive of the thoughts of our minds. We've got to discipline our minds. Athlete, you're preaching for me. You're a good preacher today. We've got to set our minds on things above. Because what? Because what? Because when Christ, who is your life? Who's your life? Jesus. Christ is your life. Do you know that? Do you know that? Christ is your life. Yes, I love all the yeses I'm getting. Christ is your life. Yes, yes, Christ is your life. Now live like that. Live from that position. He is your life. So what's going to happen around is not of terribly, terrible consequences, the circumstances around us. But when we have that, when we seek him first in his righteousness, everything else is added unto you. I mean, Eileen is changing houses and doing some alterations and, uh, wow, that's kind of stressful. You have a great bull there. Yeah. <laughs> Lee's wonderful, and he's taking her, walking her through every step of the way. But we've, we, in, in the context of life, we build houses and we, and we do stuff. 
And then there's what happens in the government, and then there's what happens, you know, the, there's no water at Sarepta today. We got cut off again. You know, so there's those things, those things. So try not to go to the loop afterwards. <laughs> but then we, we live in that context. And my hope is that we will, we will live from a heavenly place. That where we are seated is in heavenly places. And I said this last time. Because what the world needs, the world needs to see you and I living this godly life. Living a life in which we bring kingdom Wherever we go, we bring the kingdom of heaven because Jesus lives in us and we can make a difference. Christ is the center of your life. Ptolemy, or do you, anybody know that Ptolemy taught that the center of the solar system was the earth? Ptolemy. Thank you, I knew I'd, I should have asked you before. Ptolemy was uh, the center of the earth, and everything revolved around the, uh, around the earth. For 1,300 years, that theory went on until it was finally proved to be an illusion. The sun is the center, and everything else goes around that. You know, I know some Christians who are still living under the Ptolemic illusion. They think... The world is the center of the universe. The sharks winning yesterday, the center of the universe. It's not the center of the universe. The sun is. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the Christ. He is everything. He is the center of your life. He is the center of my life. That's what he says. Is he? Is he today? Yes, he is. I hope that you are living from the heavenlies. I want to tell you a story. I want to read a little story about Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. He was burdened with China. His biographers tell us that he lived so much in the presence of Jesus Christ that he began to feel the great heartbeat of Jesus for lost souls. And he himself says that the burden of Christ became my burden. You see, he lived in the heavenlies so much that he began to feel like Jesus felt. This is what his biographer says. He found himself, he found the self-satisfying hymn-singing congregation in Brighton, England, intolerable. He looked around the pew upon pew of prosperous bearded merchants, shopkeepers, visitors, demure wives in bonnets, scrubbed children with, which were trained to hide their impatience. The atmosphere of smug piety sickened him. He seized his hat and left, seized his hat and left. And later said, Unable to bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand and more Christians singing and rejoicing in their own security while millions were perishing for lack of knowledge, I wandered out to the sands alone in great spiritual agony. There on the beach he prayed for God to give him 24 laborers to go to China. Hudson Taylor felt that way because he lived with Jesus so long that the heart of Jesus 
became his heart. The heart of Ellen became his heart. The heart of Alex became his heart. The heart of Gareth became his heart. And so he left the world and dwelt with the Savior so long that he could come back to the world from divine vantage point. You know that even the Roman Catholic Mass ends with the words, Aitae Maitha Est, which means, get out! Get out and do something about it. Christ is your center. Christ is your center. Get out. Go. The mission, we've got those exit signs. We should say the mission begins here. As you're going out, as you're getting out into the world. And it comes from being the center. It comes from Jesus being our hearts. So the challenge, the challenge for us, beloved, the challenge today is to be so lost in his love, so in love with him, so in tune with him and so in touch with him, praying for the lost, praying his heart, that our heart becomes his heart. I want my heart to be his heart. Because then when I go, and you all go to different places, you all, some go to be teachers, some go to be business people, some go to be moms, some are grannies and grandpas. You've all got a story to tell. You've all got to love your Lord and your Savior. And wherever you go, it's just going to explode. One of the prophetic words that they sang, that they spoke over us last week was the sense of the water rising. So I want you all to rise now. I want you to stand. Please stand. And I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray the scripture that the, the waters will, uh, will rise and that you would know the depth and the height and the breadth of, your, of his love for you. But Lord, I thank you for this scripture again. I thank you, Lord, that we have been raised with you. I thank you, Lord, that you help us even now to set our hearts and our mind on you. Set our hearts and our mind on you. So we ask, Lord, that you would in this week and even in, in, in the months ahead, would, would we, we would be so overwhelmed by the depth and the height and the breadth of your love that we would be moved to compassion, we'd be compelled by your love to go because of the gospel, because of the good news, because of our Savior. And there's a lost who are going to encounter gnashing of teeth and sulfur and, ah, and worms and fire. They're going to encounter that. And Lord, we want none to perish. You want none to perish. And so I commission us at Sarepta today. I commission us that we are the light of the world. Even when they steal our light, we are still the light. The light can never be put out. The light can never be stolen because we are wrapped up in Jesus. Our lives are hidden in Jesus. Our eternal security is secure because our lives are hidden in Jesus. And he is our life. And so I just thank you and I bless each person here with great love and great mercy. If we can... Sing a song at the end. And if anybody wants prayer, um, anybody wants to come up for prayer as we, as we close with a, with a song.
Yeah, there might be a baptism in the pool afterwards. Some of the young people who gave their lives to Jesus. Uh, so, so after this, there might be a baptism.